Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We believe that God's Word transforms our lives. We hope that you're blessed by this message. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll pass one out. You will need a Bible. We'll be uh, traveling through. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 6. So we got a few hands raised. Welcome. We just want to welcome the podcast listeners. We're glad you're listening in, clicking in. I know that we've got people listening to podcasts who are like up north now, so that's cool. And uh, they are remembering their church and feeling like they're with us. So welcome podcast listeners. We miss you. Hurry back. I know the first snowstorm up north, you'll all flood back in. I know. I know. I would too if I was retired. Just saying. 105 degrees this week. That's, yeah. Anybody's dashboard melt on their car yet? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's get started. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And um, I just want to start out by just kind of asking you a few questions. I'm just going to share some of my thoughts and just see if I've got the right crowd tonight for this, this lesson. Sometimes when I'm thinking, you know, when I'm alone and I'm just thinking or I'm driving, especially when I'm driving, uh, my mind races so fast at times that I can't even complete one thought before three, three more thoughts bombard my mind. The other day, um, you know, we live in West Melbourne, so we're always on the road, and um, we've got this app called Life360, and it's really cool because we know where every family member is all the time, and we can just click on it, and it's crazy. I, I look at my family, and there's like four cars in Brevard County just going everywhere. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just our life, you know? But I, I was, my mind was racing, I think it was on the phone, and I literally had to get on I-95 on the Palm Bay Road exit to go south. I literally, I'm not joking, I was so focused on what I was saying or doing or talking to somebody that I just passed the on exit, go all the way down past, and I'm like, I cannot believe that. Anybody with me? You ever? Yeah, right? And so our minds race. Maybe you're like me, and there's so many thoughts that pop into my head a mile a minute of what needs to be done, like today, tomorrow, Saturday, next month, next year, right? And we're just, we get into this, we just can't stop our minds. It's like, or the to-do list just starts going, I know I'm behind. I got to check this to-do list off. And um, before you know it, when I start thinking like that, I just become very anxious. I become anxious. I'm overwhelmed. And, and I, to be honest, I even often begin to worry. It's like, how are we going to do this? How am I going to do that? When am I going to have time to do this? And you just start like being pressured. Anybody with me? You feel like just pressure. And we really put it on ourselves at times because of our own thoughts. Or, or, and when this thought pattern begins to happen, we lose control of our thoughts and we get off track very quickly. And sometimes, as, and I'm talking to believers here, we're all Christians, we're all believers. And sometimes when this happens, we forget who we are in Christ. We, we kind of just put ourselves into this worldly view, don't we? Like we think like the world thinks. Like I have to do, I have to conquer, I have to find a solution. I'm responsible. And, and I think it comes naturally, doesn't to us. We, we're our best problem solver. And God's word comes against that. He says, no, 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 no. You're not responsible to solve that problem that arised. You're not the author. It didn't go through your hands. You didn't get to vote whether you went through that or not. And we get caught thinking that way, and it comes so naturally. I'm guilty. And, and it just comes naturally to us. And sometimes when these trials or tribulations or troubles come in, our, we allow our minds to react to our circumstances and our needs. And, and oftentimes, worry often takes over and consumes our thoughts. That's just maybe a page out of my journal of how I feel sometimes. Maybe you feel that way too. But I want to ask you tonight, what do you worry about most in life? What did you worry about this week? And maybe some of you are super religious and you're listening in, you're like, oh, I don't worry about anything because the Bible says, brother, don't worry. Okay, let me come at you a different angle. What consumes your thoughts most of the time that makes you feel anxious, fearful, nervous? Yeah, I saw that, Dave. Is it finances? Do we consume our thoughts about finances and then that, that consumed thought becomes worry? 
It, it never falls off of our shoulder. It's always attached to us. Do you worry about your children? Are you going through a health crisis? Are you worried about the outcome? And then I was thinking about this. Have we ever thought about the consequences that we endure in our life because we choose to worry? Maybe some of us have a nickname, we're worry warts. Maybe we've been accused of worrying too much. But I'm here tonight to say that the truth about worry is, is it can become a chronic state of bondage. We can become entrapped and imprisoned by our own emotions about what we think and how often we worry. And did you know that worry and fear go together? It's kind of like hand in hand. Often we're afraid because we worry or we worry because we're afraid. Worry is, we worry because we're we're insecure, we're vulnerable. Something's happening and it causes us to worry. There's gonna be harm to us or insecurity. And it's a natural human tendency to worry. But tonight, we're gonna look into a scripture and Jesus is gonna say, don't worry. And, And he's not like commanding us, but it's certainly not a suggestion either. He's saying, in this passage we're gonna look at, he's gonna say don't worry six times in, in the scriptures we're gonna cover. And I was wondering, why does Jesus say don't worry? And I, I think Jesus understands us. That's why I love a living savior, a personal relationship with him, because even though he tells me not to worry six times about a certain thing that's going on in my life, he knows that I'm gonna worry anyways. I'm gonna worry the seventh time. I'm going to worry the eighth time, and he's patient, but he says, don't worry. And we're going to look into some reasons why we worry. We're going to look into some reasons to help us kind of like cast that off just as we started the service. It's like, can we just worship the Lord? Can we just let the world fall off of us for a moment and actually have an encounter with Jesus during this worship time? And so Jesus' heart is, he says, I don't want you to worry. It's kind of like you tell your kids, don't go on the road without talking to mom and dad. What do they do? They go on the road. And it's just natural. But there's a verse that I often come to, and I love this. It's up on the screen when I think about worry. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know that I could tell you, don't worry, church, Thank you, have a good night, see you this weekend. That's not gonna be too effective. But I love this verse because it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know what that tells me tonight? That when we think about worry, we have to think about the process of how not to worry. It's not a light switch that we turn on and off, isn't it? Because if, if the heat gets turned up, the trial gets larger, the situation gets worse, we have a tendency to worry. There's no Light switch. That's why that word transformed and renewing is an action word. It's a repetition. It says you gotta take these thoughts that are natural because you're human beings and you're still on earth and you're not in the heavenly realms surrounded by the feet of Jesus yet. He says, I realize you're you're on earth. I realize you're enduring things. By the way, my disciples endured things as well, didn't they? And he was talking, the word tonight, he's talking to not only his disciples, but he's talking to us. And he's saying, I get it, you're on this earth. There are reasons to worry, I get it. There's trials, there's tribulations, there's suffering. But I love that he says the renewing of your mind. And so we're gonna learn how to be in a continuous renewing of our mind when worry is the first thing that that we naturally want to do. So we're going to learn how to do that. And I just want to say this before we read the word, that I'm here to remind you tonight that God is in control of all things, isn't he? We can say that, and we can say that, and we can encourage our fellow brothers and sisters with that because we're on the encouragement side and they need the encouragement. But when we're in that trial, it is often hard to understand that. But we have to believe it, that we are God's children, And God is 100% aware of our situations. God is 100% aware of our needs tonight. 
God is 100% understanding why we worry, the thing that makes us worry. He knows about it. He's not aloof. Remember, he's personal. He's intimate. That's why we're in a relationship with him. And he calls us his children. And I want to remind you tonight that God loves to provide for his children. He provides for you and I. And he knows all of our needs And his promises are that I will provide for all of your needs. And he just automatically does that. There's nothing we can do. That's just who we get. That's the package deal of Jesus. When we invited him in, he says, you're my child. I know everything about you. I'm going to take care of you. You're in the palm of my hands. I'm aware. And we need to stop on a Wednesday night and pause and just go, I'm in God's hands. My situation is in God's hands. He knows about this. Already as I'm saying this, I'm seeing your faces and you're shaking your heads. This is renewing your mind. Because when we're outside of a service, we don't think that unless we're opening the word and and he's telling us that. And we get that word from him. And then we go, okay, that's my nugget for the day. God cares for me. God's never gonna leave or forsake me. He's aware, right? And so this is that renewing of the mind. So I've asked you to turn to Matthew chapter six. We're gonna start in verse 25. I'm gonna read all through um, verse 25, uh, all the way through 34. And then we're gonna go back and look at three verses and uh, then we'll get out of here. Verse 25, six, Matthew six, verse 25. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. And, and if you're a nerd like me, just keep circling the word worry. You know, just, oh, I bet you there's six times. Go ahead, circle the word. So we can open it and go, oh, worry, 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 worry. Do not worry, but let's do that. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. It is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them? Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 27, can, they, can, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek First, the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself and each day has enough trouble of its own. And so I just wanna kinda just look at, you see that repetition of, you know, don't worry about what you'll wear, don't worry about what you'll eat, don't worry about what you drink. I want you to understand that, that back in those times, that was a real deal. It's much different than today. I don't think anybody in this room this week, this month, or this year is going, I, I don't know where I'm going to get my next shirt. I don't know where I'm going to get my next pair of pants. We don't deal with that. But I want you to understand the magnitude of this because sometimes when we get to this verse and you've all read this probably a hundred times or whatever, but the bottom line is like, that don't apply to me. I'm good. I don't have to worry about clothes. I can, yeah, groceries are getting expensive. Milk is going up or whatever. I got kids and the milk's expensive. I get that. But truthfully, many of us don't worry about that. But understand that who Jesus was talking to, this was a big deal. Let me just fast forward it to today because I think the impact Jesus is trying to encourage because there were real people in front of him that were probably like, I haven't eaten in three days. My, my shoes are worn, my clothes are, are, are worn. But 
if we fast forward that today so that we understand how Jesus is encouraging us tonight, it could be something like this. My rent is going up to 1700 a month next, next, in three months because the market's doing that and the inventory's low. I can't afford 1700 a month. Or my car's breaking down all the time, it seems like, and I can't afford to get a, a new car. In fact, I can't even afford to get a used car. Or my school loans are just absolutely washing me. Or I don't know how I'm going to pay my electric bill. Those are real life situations. And so when we look at it through the perspective of 2019, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Jesus is saying, hey, wait a minute. I get it that you need to pay your rent. I get it that you need to pay your electric bill. I get it that you're running low on groceries. I get it that you got laid off but I wanna say something to you. I know about it. I'm gonna provide. And the problem is, is that when, when Jesus speaks to us that way, or you hear this sermon and you go, that's right, I agree, Jesus will provide for all my needs. But when you're in that fire, when you're in that situation, it's tough. And Jesus is encouraging us, he's saying, don't worry, I will provide. Here's the problem. We want Jesus to tell us when and how he's going to provide. Is that not true? And Jesus loves to be a superstar. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Miracle. <laughs> right? <laughs> and sometimes he knows who he's dealing with. Some of us need the wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, miracle, right? Because he knows us. Remember, he's intimate. And some of us, he's like, wait a minute. Okay, I came through for you. That's happened in all our lives, hasn't it? Probably happened in seasons of our lives too, where we're just like, when, God, when? And then sometimes it's just like, he just takes care of it. It's like, God's just right there, right there. You know what I find? The longer he makes me wait for my need, the more glory I'm at my heart right here, the more glory my heart wants to give to him. The more I go, Jesus, you're the real deal. <laughs> and he knows that about us. But the word says that he will, we read it, he will provide for our needs. Six times he says, don't worry, don't worry. But I told you we're going to talk about three verses. You can circle or highlight verse 27. We're going to read that and again. It says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You know, I kind of think like Jesus is sarcastic here in this verse, okay? He's saying, why are you worrying? Are you going to improve your life because you worry? Are you going to change the circumstance because you're worrying? There's this kind of sarcastic contrast to this verse. He's asking them, right? And he's saying, are you going to change anything? Remember, I'm, I'm God, the whole world in my hands. He's got the whole world. <laughs> and he says, I'm God. And by you doing me a favor by worrying, you think, that, you think that's going to help? You think that's gonna expand your life? You think that's gonna make your life improve? No. What Jesus is saying in this verse, he's saying there's no benefit at all when we worry. Worrying does not affect our lives in a positive way. It doesn't add years to our life, does it? In fact, and I got a, a Corey Tinboom. I know Pastor TJ dropped a Corey Tinboom quote, but I'm gonna do one too on Wednesday here. But look what it says. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Do you know what worrying does? Worrying just zaps the energy out of me. Some days when I'm worried and I'm just overwhelmed, I don't even want to get out of bed. Anybody there? Come on, raise your hand, church. Come on. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, I got to face that again this morning, right? Yeah. In fact, worrying doesn't lengthen our lives. It actually has been proven scientifically that it shortens it, doesn't it? We know that worry adds all sorts of destructive effects to 
our minds, our bodies, and our souls. Let me just name a few things that comes with worry. Chronic stress, anxiety, fear, all these things can affect our daily lives and our daily relationships, can it? Let me just name a few things that comes about if we allow worry to control our thoughts and we develop a pattern of this. Our lifestyle habits change. It damages our relationships. Worrying disrupts sleep patterns. It affects our job performance. We develop harmful lifestyle of habits. We overeat. We pick up smoking. We may use drug and alcohol. Dizziness, irregular heartbeat, palpitations, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension. Here's one, high blood pressure, cancer, bleeding ulcers, and IBS. All of these symptoms in our body is directly reported scientifically that it can become from stress and worry. Would you agree? Anybody been to the doctors and they go, you don't have a problem. You just need to take a vacation. <laughs> right? Yeah, for three years. <laughs> but I want to say this. Who's behind the scenes trying to make us worry and wants us to worry? Yeah, yeah. Because we know that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, we know that. But what does Satan want to steal from us? He wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our peace in Christ. He wants to steal our ability to serve Christ effectively. He wants to steal our walk with God. He wants to steal our minds through worrying. And after he steals, he wants to kill and destroy as much of you and I as he possibly can. And one way he steals is by making us worry. Satan wants us to worry about tomorrow's troubles, and Satan wants us to worry about yesterday's troubles. We're in today. Today's Wednesday, June 26, but Satan wants us to worry about tomorrow and the next day and the next month. Anybody been there? I have. That is not from God. We just read that verse, and we're going to look at that a little bit deeper but I'm so thankful that God is fully aware tonight of, God's, of Satan's tactics. Look at his word. I have it up on the screen. This is where we, be, we begin to renew our mind. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you know this, you've read this, but I want us to apply this tonight. I want us to get into a habit of renewing our mind. These verses are given to us, not so that we can read one time or do one devotion, but we need to know this verse. We need to renew our minds with this verse. We need to turn to this verse. When the first thought of worry comes to our minds, look what it says. Do not worry about anything. Instead, do what? Pray about everything. Not only does he say, do not worry, but he says, hey, I'm just not telling you not to worry. Don't go out in, in the road and play, kids. He's saying, instead, do this. He's saying, pray. Pray when you feel like you're going to worry. He says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And then if you do this, if you renew your mind, if you continue to follow this pattern of not just stuck in that worry mode, but if you pray and you bring your needs and you trust God what does he say? Then here's what you'll experience. You won't experience bleeding ulcers. That's not what it says. You won't experience cancer. What he's saying is, you will experience my peace. I will give you peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand, and his peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. You know what God's saying in that verse? He's saying, I'm not just saying, David, don't worry. He's saying, substitute worry with prayer. There's a thought. And if I'm honest, I don't always think of that. I don't always obey that. You want to know why? Because I'm AAA. I try to figure out how to fix it. And if I can't fix it, then I beat myself down for another month of worrying 
and stress. And then when I hit rock bottom, then I go, oh, maybe I should bring this to God. Maybe I should actually go to God and say, God, and this is the key, it's like a trigger. It's like the first thing, the first doubt, the first fear, the first anxiousness thought, the first worry. We should go to God and go, God, I'm feeling uneasy about this. And I, I'm like, that's revelational for me when I was studying this because I don't always do that. And I don't think everybody here does that. I think we're just too independent. But remember I said, remember who we are in Christ. I love this statement by Rick Warren. The more you pray, the less you panic. The more you worship, the less you worry. One of the reasons, as I said, why I think worship is so important in our services, it gives us time to come in out of the world and shake it off. It gives us time to allow God to meet us where we're at in a service it's where we focus on who God is and then peace begins to usher into our hearts. And when that happens, there's no place for worry to reside in us when we're focused on him. And so I want you to understand tonight that every person, every person that calls themselves, not just Christ followers, everybody, but especially Christ followers, we're going to experience trouble. I'm not gonna stand up here tonight and tell you that we're never gonna experience trouble. We're all gonna experience it. And we will continue to experience it until the Lord takes us home. And so I, I need to identify if that's you, when you experience trial, tribulation, and trouble, I want you to understand and look at yourself tonight and say, how do I respond to trouble? Because we, we agree that trouble's always gonna come. Hardship will come, but we know that. But then we need to be honest with ourselves tonight and say, what do I do with that trouble? Honestly, nobody's around looking. I don't have to share it with anybody, but how do I respond as a Christ follower to Jesus when something hits me? And that's what we need to realize and ask ourselves. Every person naturally will be tempted to worry. It's natural. And so you don't need to get beat up by this, but we need to acknowledge it that we do worry, but then God says, let me help you with this. Let me not let it invade your health, your attitude, your relationships, your walk, and your peace with God. But it's important that you and I understand tonight that God doesn't allow trials or troubles for us to exercise our worry muscles. Some of you have really strong worry muscles. Yeah? <laughs> Husband and wife, tap your, tap your spouse. <laughs> That's not what God intends to do when he allows these trials to come. See, there's many reasons why you and I will experience trials, tribulations, and troubles. And I believe God, get this, I believe that God wants us to walk through our trials in faith instead of worrying during our trials. You get that. And so I have it up on the screen, and Alan's going to leave it up there for a while. But there are three reasons why we should walk through and not worry through our trials and troubles. We are going to renew your mind and, and understand why we have trials, why we have tribulations, and how we're to respond. The first one you see up there is some troubles we will experience because we are, we are just simply Christ followers. We're believers. There's a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light. We are the light. And Paul reminds us over and over and over in the New Testament, he says, you will experience trials. Look at Paul's life. He experienced trials. Thank God I didn't experience what Paul's experienced. Some of you maybe have. And I, and I was thinking about that. There's a verse, Psalms 34, 19. You can just write it down if you took a picture of that slide. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. You know what that verse tells me? God knows his children. We already established that. God knows you and God knows me and he knows when you're going through trials. But this verse says, not only do I know, but I'm gonna rescue you. That's a promise from God. And so know that we will experience trials. The second reason why we experience trials and troubles is that it will come to us simply to help us mature. 
You all know this, Romans 5.3. Let me read it. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit. Christian, you will experience trials because God is conforming you more to the image of him. God will allow trials to come into your life and you will not understand why. But I love it in my own life where I have experienced trials and I have experienced hardships and I have experienced very painful things in my life and it was a trial both before I was saved and, and after I was saved. But you know what the blessing is, church? When, I, when God actually places somebody in front of me that is going through something that I can relate with and I can identify with, there is just something inside me that rises up and I go, there's the hand of God. There is God standing before me and he's bringing this person and he wants me to open my mouth and he wants me to share with that person my trial, and how God was faithful, and how he overcame that situation. And so if you're here tonight, and you're going through this, just journal it. Whatever it is, I don't care if it's health, if it's where am I getting a job, how am I going to get licensed, whatever it is, journal it. Because God is doing something in you in this trial. Remember, he's faithful He's faithful, and he's saying, pray through this trial. Don't ignore me. Pray through the trial that I've allowed in your life. Do you remember the trial that Job was brought? Did that blindside God, or did God allow that trial for Job's life? Okay, Christian. Was Job a Christian by all definition in chapter one? He was, and God said, Satan's like, oh, give me one of your people. Oh, I'll give you one of my greatest guys here. And so the trial did come, didn't it? But if you read to chapter 38, God blessed Job. God wound up in a better place than he was even before the trial, wasn't he? And not only is God faithful, but he rewards faithfulness. Job was faithful, wasn't he? Church, be faithful in your trial. Be faithful in your trial. Journal it. Yes, it's painful. God has a reason, and you may not have to know it right now during the trial, but I guarantee you, as I've experienced, you will know why that trial happened when God puts himself in front of you and there's a person there that needs it. And there's nothing more rewarding. All of a sudden, that trial isn't as intense. And I go, okay, God, I get it. I get it, God. Thank you. Thank you that I can minister to this person. And not just because I'm a pastor, I'm talking to all of you, amen? amen? Many of you have done that. Many of you have taken your trials and God's gonna use it. That's the second reason. The third reason why trials and trouble come to us is so that we'll repent of our sin. God is a jealous God. And God gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. And if we do not listen to the Holy Spirit, God will be patient, won't he? But he'll only be patient for so long. And sometimes God allows trials to get our attention. And those of you that I'm talking to, because I, I'm one of them, when God's tired and done talking through the Holy Spirit, God allows things in our lives. He knows exactly what to allow in our lives to go, I've sinned against you, God. And he, that trial brings us to our knees. Listen to Proverbs 12, 21. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Now, the Bible does say it rains on the just and the unjust. I get that. But if you're that person that God was trying to get a hold of because there was an area of your life that you were sinning and then something happened, don't blame God. Embrace God. Embrace God. Come to him and say, I get it, God, because that trial can be removed immediately. Amen? And I know that we don't want to hear that, but it's true. And when we've experienced that, our love and our adoration for the Lord 
just increases because we feel loved. When you've come on the other side of that, you've sinned against God, God gets your attention through a trial, we repent, we humble ourselves, and we get back on track, my love increases for God. That's God's point. That's God's purpose for that trial. The next verse that I want us to look at is verse 33. And I love this verse. I could do a whole teaching on this, but I won't. But first seek his, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I have it up on the screen. I want you to write this down. In order to avoid worry, I must set proper priorities in my life. Write that down. We have to be intentional on setting priorities in our life. If our priorities, just hear me out for a minute. If our priorities are not in order, then our lives will not be in order. Amen? If our priorities are not right, then we won't be right. If our priorities aren't aligned with God's priorities for our life, then our life will never feel right. There won't be peace. And so we need to set proper priorities in our life. What verse 33 is saying is we don't need to pray about what our number one priority in life should be. We don't need to think what our number one priority should be. We don't even need to be pray about it. Jesus in this verse 33 has already told us what our first priority ought to be as a Christ follower. He says, but first seek his kingdom. That's the priority as a believer. Yeah, I get it, man. I'm gonna to talk to you for a minute. I get it. Career, kids, wife. I get that. Those are all responsibilities. But aside from this, verse 33 is saying, your number one priority has to be me. It has to be me. Your priority, your concern should be about me. I must be placed number one in your life. Not only me, but righteousness. Jesus' righteousness. And the word seek here, he says, but first seek the kingdom. The word seek here means to actively pursue or to go after. It means continuously every day of our lives. But in order to seek the kingdom, think about this. In order to sing, seek the kingdom, we have to seek the king who rules over the kingdom. We have to seek Jesus. We go right back to renewing our minds, don't we? We go right back to, here's my situation, here's what's happening, and I'm coming to you, Jesus, because I need you. That's what this verse is saying. He's saying, your number one priority is, no matter what's going on in your life, seek me, acknowledge me, come to me. I'm here for you. You know, there's no kingdom without a king. Our first priority in life ought to be to seek the king of the kingdom. And did you know that the Christian life is more than just accepting the Lord, but it's continuing to seek the Lord? That's the danger that I think is happening in many churches today. I think it's wonderful that we're getting new guests on Sunday. I see more faces on Sunday, and I'm so excited. Be excited with me. We've prayed for four years for this. And God's doing wonderful things, and I give all the glory to God. All I want is for people to know the love of Jesus Christ in this church. And maybe people raise their hand, and maybe people get saved, and maybe our prayer counselors pray over them. But here's the sadness of it. They don't stay with it. It's an event. It's an experience. And this verse right here, he says, first seek the kingdom. It's a continuation it's continuing to make the Lord number one in your life, not only in your walk, but in your lifestyle, in the things that God's doing. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your what? All your heart. There's that promise. He wants us to seek him. He wants to be in continued fellowship with him. And so I wanna say this, and it's, it's kind of weird, but some will make the accusation that if we choose to worry, and I know you've heard some wonderful lady in church say this to you, and if she did, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
If we choose to worry, then we're really saying that we do not trust God and that we lack faith. You ever had that said to you? <laughs> you ever have that said to you in a condescending, judgmental tone? And it's like, really, you never worry? Why are you saying that to me? Yeah, y'all are laughing. I don't think any harm is intended because that really is a true statement, isn't it? Don't think I would maybe say that to somebody, but if you think about it, it really is a true statement. And I can say that when trials come and when tribulation comes, we should actually do what Jesus says in this verse. We are to seek him first. Look up on the screen, write this down. Having faith means we put father first. It means we put our father first. That's how faith comes in is when we renew our mind, when we come to him in prayer first, when we put our father first before the situation, before we begin to worry, if we put our father first, faith will begin to increase. Our faith walk will increase. If we do what he says to do in what we're learning tonight, our faith will increase, I promise you, because it's a habit. It's a habit. It's just, okay, let's just go to the Lord to prayer. It means instead of worrying, we hand our situations over to our king. And then this verse says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. This also means that we are to seek the guidance of our king. And we go back to that, we wanna fix it, don't we? We go back to that, I wanna fix it mode. But I would say, seek the king, but not only seek the king, but seek his guidance. Did you know that God is just waiting to give us that solution, that word, that 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 understanding, and he's waiting for us to seek the guidance. There is no higher calling in life than to find out what your king wants done and then trust him to do it. And then trust him to do it. Every morning of our lives, we had to begin in the morning by asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, whatever you have that enters my life, I acknowledge that you're aware, that you're with me today and that you understand what's gonna happen and you'll be there with me. And Jesus, he understood this. He understood this because you remember it was days before the cross, he knew that he came to die. It was just days before the cross and he went into the garden and what did he do? He prayed. He was worried, he was troubled, he was anguished. Anguished to the point of the blood drops coming out of his skin. That's how worried he was. And he prayed. And not only did he pray, but I love what he said. He sought God's guidance. Here's what he said. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now, I don't believe that we're all sentenced to die here. But I do believe that when the trials really come and the hard ones and the tough ones that we don't understand Instead of getting angry with God or understand, not understanding him or being disappointed and giving up on Christianity, I say, can we just say, God, nevertheless, not your will, not my will, but your will. I trust you in this, in this storm. I trust you in this situation. Jesus trusted his father. And so therefore, the question I have tonight is, as we close, do we trust our heavenly father with our troubles? Do we really trust him? Look at verse 34 as we get ready to close. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, that could be a depressing verse, okay? And I get that. But rest assured, God knows. Let's look at the positive side. Jesus is saying this. So rest assured, God knows how much trouble or trials we can endure. I put it like this. He will only give us one day's worth of trouble. No more and no less. Isn't he gracious? <laughs> A glass half full <laughs> or half empty, right? But he's gracious. What this verse is saying is, with trouble, when it comes, also God's grace is with us. This verse isn't saying that you and I will never have troubles. But what Jesus is saying in this verse is God will give us grace for today's troubles God gave you and I grace to deal with yesterday's troubles. 
And God will give us grace tomorrow for tomorrow's troubles. He will be there. He will be with you. He will guide you through it. That is who God is tonight. And he is faithful. He is faithful. He never said, I will leave or forsake you. And it's not God's nature to abandon us when trials come. And as we close, I want to talk to you a little bit about when Jesus was discipling the 12, he often would walk and talk and he would always look for teachable moments and he often used parables, didn't he? Maybe some of you that are new to the faith, a parable is simply a story or an example to make his point. He'd just reach down and pick out a rock or he'd pick out a thorn or he'd point out something and he'd use this visual example for them and he would make a spiritual application out of it. And I love that because it comes real, it comes alive. He meets them, he's Jesus, he's God, but he meets man where man's mind is and he makes it simple because it's important that he wants to share something with them. And so he often taught in parables to make his point. And you remember the parable of the seed in the soils, don't you? The seed in this parable is the word of God, the power of God. The soil is whether it was received and whether it took root in a person for spiritual growth. And there were three soils in this particular uh, uh, parable that he's telling, but one in particular was a thorny soil. And so in verse 7 of Matthew 13, it says, Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked out the plants. Look up on the slide on Matthew 13, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the what? But the worries of this life. This life right here, right now, on earth, in Sebastian, in my life. This life that God's given me to live here on earth. He says, but he who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So I leave you with this. I ask you early on in the teaching, why do we worry? After this teaching and after what you've heard and after Jesus has showed you what to do when worry comes, then I'm gonna ask you again, why would we worry? Why would we worry? God is available and God is here. And so here's how I wanna end this service with every head bowed, no one looking around, we're family. If you're here tonight and you walked in and you said, I cannot believe the Holy Spirit's talking about worry. If that's you and you know that Jesus is loving on you right now and you, you need, you, you saw what Jesus wants you to do. You're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of a storm. You've been worried. You maybe have health problems. You're stressed out. You're dealing with anxiety. Maybe you're even fearful. Whatever it is, if that's you, I would just simply ask you to stand and say, that's me. You're not standing for me. You're standing before God because we're gonna pray a prayer of faith. We're gonna end with prayer and we're gonna confess to the Lord and ask him to show us how to deal with this from here on out so that worry never plagues our emotions. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. You're standing before the Lord. This is not showtime. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. Can I just tell you that by standing tonight, God is so pleased. And I know that the God that we serve, he will absolutely be with you and guide you through whatever situation it is. He loves you so much right now. And he is 100% aware of where you're at and where you're meeting him tonight here. Those that are around, you don't even have to look, but they're just, there's people standing all around. Let's just come in an agreement as we close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters that are standing right now. God, what comes so natural worrying is we, we don't want to feel judged for worrying. It's just so natural to us, God. But we often forget who we are. We are set apart 
We are the sons and daughters of the King of the Most High. And we have been assured tonight through your verses, through your text, through your scripture, that you care about us. Jesus, you said, don't worry, don't worry. So God, for each and every person, I pray that you would unbind them in the name of Jesus Christ, the plague of worry. God, that for the first time, that not only by standing there saying, God, I've been worrying, and I've been reminded that that's not my job, that you are a heavenly father, that you will provide. You will somehow, some way in your timing, make sense of this. You will take me out of this, and I will know of your love and give you glory. And then for those that are standing, maybe it's just a little reminder tonight that we just confess and go, you know, I've been trying to do life alone. I've been trying to fix these things. I've been trying to do what my intelligence and my wisdom is telling us to do. But tonight, Lord, as I walk out, I'm handing this situation over to you. God, I'm not gonna lift a finger. I need you I need you to pour your wisdom. I need you to open doors. I need you to just dis, dis, remove something from my life. And I trust that you're gonna do it your way. And I thank you, Lord. I'm standing because I'm faithful to the one who is faithful. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.